I truly thought I was a burden on everybody. Like I just thought I was just ruining everyone's life. And if I was just gone, everyone else could just move on with their life and everything would be okay. And as irrational as it sounds saying it, that's truly what made me believe. Yeah. Whatever your mind is telling you and making you think that do not believe it. And I look at myself now and I look at the life that I live now and what I have done and who I am. I want to tell them that I have been there and I know you want to do this. And I know that you think that like, this is the best way and this is the way out. And that it is not, it's not your forever. It is just the chapter. Yeah, Always hard. get some help. Not only me, therapists I talk to once a week, there's psychiatrists, there's friends, there's coaches, there's anyone that you feel is your person that you can trust, you go to them, you talk to them and you tell them and it's okay. And we want you to share it because we want you to be here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ, the big guy. Hi, it is Russ, the big guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. All right, welcome everybody. This is Russ the Big Guy. I'm up here in the penthouse suite in our podcast recording studio. And as you've heard me say before, one of the uh, amazing things that's happened to me this year is that I have started this podcast and I've met some really amazing people with stories, oh my gosh, and backgrounds and knowledge and experiences this episode is going to be no different. And this became, this came to me, I should say, as, <clears throat> as quite a surprise. Um, it presented itself, and I thought, this is perfect, and you'll find out why in a minute. Now, I'm going to give you a trigger warning ahead of time, because our guest today is going to be very open, possibly very detailed, about mental health and suicide, and her personal experiences with those, and what she's doing uh, moving forward. So, if that's not something that you are prepared to listen to, then this probably is not the episode for you. There are others. I have covered mental health and anxiety and suicide to different degrees on some other episodes uh, because I think it's so important, especially right now and especially coming out of COVID, uh, which has put a stress on, on humanity uh, like we haven't had uh, in a long time. So, uh, with that said, I'm going to move forward, and I would like to welcome to the podcast Kendra Latham. Welcome, Kendra. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Kendra uh, is a recent graduate of Mental Health First Aid, and that's a public education program designed to help people understand the unique risk factors and warning signs of mental illness and other health problems in adolescence and how to provide help. She's also a suicide survivor. Is that appropriate to say it that way, Kendra? Suicide attempt survivor. Got it. And um, we're going to hear her amazing story as well. So let's let's talk about the uh, first aid program first. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So what's your experience with that? 
well, I was a second grade teacher prior to my attempt. I taught second grade for 14 years and absolutely loved working with children. Yeah. Played soccer and coached older kids and just really enjoyed children. And, you know, I was injured after, so I couldn't go back to teaching. Um, so I ended up going to the Shemung crisis. It was um, a suicide prevention committee. And then through that, I kind of started I guess, networking, meeting people, I was asked to go to this uh, youth mental aid first aid instructor in Albany for a couple, a few days and get my, you know, license in that. So with that, I have the tools to teach adults. I give them the certification after um, two eight hour classes to help talk about suicide, help depression, help them give tools to become better, um, to become better at knowing how to deal with that because it's not very much discussed as a teacher. You know, it's not something that um, we had background in back, you know, maybe now it become more. So yeah, that's what I am. A youth mental aid, first aid instructor. Oh, super. And then what do those adults do with the training they have? Are they teachers? Are they in positions of authority over youth or? It was interesting. A lot of them were um, foster parents. Um, some of them were teachers, some of them were coaches. It was just a variety. So it was very interesting to to see that because I'm always coming from the teacher angle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would say that's kind of like a, not a small part of me, but it's a, 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 it's a part of this journey. You know, I went to the Albany, it was um, the suicide um, convention for Suicide prevention, it's kind of hard to say, <laughs> um, in Albany. And I met a lot of people, the head of the national hotline for suicide. Just learned a lot through just going to that convention in Albany two or three times. Okay. And Are they healthcare? I, was that uh, healthcare providers as well there? or All sorts of people there. The people I went with were social workers um, or therapists, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was in my own single like little world. You know, I wasn't a teacher at the time. I mean, I'm always a teacher, but you know, I just went as me um, as an attempt survivor. You still want to remain a teacher and that's part of why you're doing what you're doing. You have gotten this uh, certification and you have trained people and you'll continue to do that. I know that when we spoke in the past that you're interested to maybe put together a speech or a keynote speech or, or some sort of a, an educational presentation. And, and we're going to talk about some of that too, because that's kind of the entrepreneurial end of it. And your goal, as you explained it to me, is not so much to make money, but to be able to really help people because um, of your experience. But you do have to make some money somehow to be able to afford to do it. So we're going to talk about that part a little bit later. Right now, I want you to talk a little bit about what your experience was, because you have a very unique story and it has to do with um, depression and medication and your attempt at suicide. And you had been struggling with depression since you were a teenager. I would say I was a sophomore in college. I think I just turned 20. So what happened? I mean, what, what were the things that happened to you um, first? Well, what did so you I, notice? So I just noticed like I was really hard on myself, very negative, very down, like, if you, you know, you would never say what I would say to myself to anyone else. I was always considered a good friend. I always had a lot of friends or whatever, but I was so hard on myself, be really hard, um, which in, you know, some ways that 
made me be better at things and, and good at things, you know, but, but sometimes it would just knock me right down. And then in college, you know, you, you know, you have a couple of drinks or whatever, and you're like, okay, I'm feeling better. And then the next day you're even harder on yourself, you know? So I would like that, but in college, especially in the nineties, no one really talked about depression or anything like that, you know? So I think that's maybe like how I dealt with it um, in college. And then, then I got a little better. Uh, for people listening, for young people listening, or even parents, like what were some of the things that you were saying to yourself? Oh, I would just tell myself how I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I would always compare myself to everyone else. Never give myself credit for anything I did. Just so hard on myself. For me to say that right now is really surprising because I am now I give myself credit for a lot of things. Like I'm a completely different person to that 20 year old um, that I haven't thought about in so long. She was very lonely and she was very sad and she would try and explain it to her best friend that had never dealt with depression or anything like that and still hasn't at the age of 45. You just think you're being ridiculous. You just think you're being baby or you, you were spoiled growing up and it's just too, you know, you can't hack it, you know, but that's not the case. I guess I can just say, just saying this right now, I've come a long way. And I guess that's the point of this is Wherever you are in your life, you feel like it's never going to change, like it's not going to get better, but it does. And your mind changes and your situation changes and things come into your life and it just evolves and just, it's just temporary. There's so many parts of my depression that I dealt with that I felt so alone and I didn't know who to talk to and I didn't know who to share it with that I just... I know what it's like to feel that. And if anyone out there is feeling that, I'm here for you. And I know what that's like. If you don't think I do, I do. I will be here for you. I don't want you to feel alone. I don't want you to feel like you're unusual. You're going to get through this and you're going to be okay. I want to touch as many lonely people, lonely parents that are struggling. They don't know how to help their son or their daughter or the person that is struggling with this. I have felt that I have been in that darkness. I have been in that evil and you do get out of it. I swear you do get out of it. It does get better. You know, I feel like everything I went through, all the pain and suffering that all my friends and family and children went through, this is the purpose. This is my life's purpose. This is what I'm here. This is why I'm all beat up and, you know, struggling with pain and stuff probably for the rest of my life. But this is my purpose. We have all had anxiety or depression or some sort of mental illness touch our families or people we love in some way or another. Almost everybody has. The rest of the people, it may exist and they just don't know it even. Now you're a sophomore in college and you get your your master's degree in teaching. How did you do all the work required to get that teaching certification while you're battling depression? Had you gotten help? Uh, It wasn't as bad in my 20s and then... Um, I had my twins and I was 31. So for 11 years, it was manageable. It was, I had anxiety. I don't know which one was worse. You know, it wasn't like out of control, but it was definitely, um, I would sweat a lot. I would be, you know, nervous when I was talking to people. I would question everything I said, everything I did. That wasn't so bad those years, 
but I got pregnant from my twins when I was 30. And my Nana, who um, helped me raise me, pretty much was my mom uh, growing up. We were very, very close. I mean, I had my mom too, but my Nana and I were very, very close. Anytime she was in the hospital, I was there for her. And when I got pregnant, she um, started getting sick and she was 87 and she was my world. And so meanwhile, I'm, I find out I'm pregnant with twins. At this time, I was not taking any medication, nothing at all. The second you get pregnant for the twins, you, they say you're high risk. So the anxiety for my ex-husband, I just like goes off. The, you, you, I, I found out like eight weeks I was pregnant with twins. And then, you know, at 12 weeks, or maybe it was 12, like eight, 12 weeks, something like that. And then you worry about the vanishing twin, like one dissolving. It's just you, every step of the way, they're watching you. So I have a whole album of ultrasounds. And meanwhile, um, I know my Nana's getting sick and I go from 132 pounds to 210. My twins were almost seven pounds when they were born. They were born March 19th. My Nana passed on March 2nd. I was bed rest. I stopped working in February. I did the best I could to work. I worked half days in February and then all I could do, I was in so much pain. I just went from the bed to the couch, from the couch to the bed. That's it. And um, she passed. My hometown's four hours away and I couldn't go to the funeral. I couldn't go to the wake. I couldn't be there. And I just wrote a letter. I'm a writer. And I just wrote a letter to my mom, just writing, 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 just, just like just talking to her, just like kind of talking to my Nana and just saying everything. Well, they ended up at my um, church growing up, Notre Dame church. They ended up reading that letter as a eulogy. So it was a little bit of a, you know, it helped, but it was so hard. And meanwhile, I'm about to give birth to two babies. We have no family in town. Uh, we're both teachers. Um, it was just a lot to say, <laughs> a lot to say. Those. So when my babies were born and they were both healthy, a baby boy, a baby girl, oh, it was like so wonderful, but I was missing my Nana so much. And I just couldn't believe I didn't have her in my life. And I thought there is no way I am going to be depressed raising these babies. I want them to have the best life they can have. And so I met with a psychiatrist. They said, you know, this is like just a little bridge, you know, we'll give you this, you know, antidepressant. If you have anxiety, you can take, you know, this Xanax, you know, just a little bridge. And then, you know, maybe after a year, you can come off of it. So I was like, okay, so I think they put me on Lexapro. That was the first one that I tried. And I'm the one that I'm, I get every symptom, every side effect, there's going to be, I'm going to have it. If there's going to be a hair loss, I'm going to have it. If there's going to be bone ache. That's like the 2%. I'm going to have it. So my psychiatrist was always like, you're a puzzle. Okay. We're going to do this. So anyways, I won't get into all that. So I tried to go off. So I had my, my twins, I was teaching second grade, you know, you have 20 some kids, you know, that are when you're elementary teacher, like, you don't even have 20 minutes, you are going, 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 it's not stop. Yeah. And you have to be always on your game. And so I went off and I'm like, I didn't feel right. And I kind of like spiraled, I can't like really explain it. And so she tried this medication, this medication, and we would just, you know, try and figure out if we should do this or not. Am I better off just not? But when I was not, it wasn't good either. Okay, we're going to trust this psychiatrist. She's supposed to be the best around. 
this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to try it. So we're going to trust her and go with it. So every summer we would go back to our hometown where we have lots of friends, lots of my high school friends stayed, our family's there. So we have lots of help. And summertime, I would be great. We weren't working. I could run a lot. Um, I used to be a triathlete. I used to run and um, I'd feel great. And then we'd come back probably like in August, you start setting up your classroom because that's what you have to do. And, you know, you're feeling good. September, it's all good. October, good. And then November would start getting a lot, it would get darker for me is the best way to try it. And anxiety would go up. I would start feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And so every winter it would get worse and worse. So it was like a seasonal depression is the best way to describe me. It got really bad in 2013. So bad that I I couldn't work. I my the medicine that she had me on had me, and I don't really have strong anxiety. So whatever she give me, like it would either make the depression go up and the anxiety go down, or vice versa. Um, I think Wellbutrin was one of the ones found my anxiety went up. I couldn't even eat. I'm five nine. I was like 120. I was really, really thin and I couldn't eat. I remember my ex-husband being like, just eat a piece of toast, like, you know, just, just try and eat. And I just couldn't. We lied. I lied. And I said I had migraines, which I do get migraines, but I only get them once a year. Thank God I couldn't work. And so we were able to do it because you have so many weeks that you can go unpaid or whatever. And I struggled through it and it got a little bit better come spring, you know, I was better and then it was summer. So here we go again. And so then fall happens and now it's 2014 and it starts to get worse and things start unraveling in my life. I just, everyone would be better off if you weren't here. Um, they wouldn't see sad crying mommy anymore. They wouldn't see scared mommy. Your parents wouldn't be worried anymore. You know, no one's able to help me. I, you know, like I'm doing, I'm going to the therapist, I'm doing everything. Like I just kind of hid that, you know, I just, I knew that's what I wanted to do. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about. All right. So, so, so what's, so the, it is what? If you're going to attempt suicide, you're going to attempt suicide. If okay. that's if that if that's what you have in your mind, if that's what you're thinking about, and you're gonna go, you're gonna go. But if you talk about it, it's just a lot. It's just um, I guess I'm saying this part for the parents or the friends out there that have regret, like my father. Oh, if I would have got you to this therapist in Augsburg. You know, you wouldn't have done it. You, you know, you wouldn't have. And it's like, dad, no, this is not on you. It's not on, it's a mental illness. It is something in your brain, in your mind. And it's not what anyone else did or didn't do. If it's in your mind and something's telling you that, then you're going to do it. But there's preventions for it. There's ways to talk about it. You know, with me, it wasn't really talked about and people didn't feel okay saying, you know what, I want to, you know, I want to end my life. You know, it, it was hard. I did say that to some people, you know, and I... You had made a decision that that's what you were going to do. And, and so take us to that day. It was June 12, 2014. I taught at a school and um, I taught second grade. And my 
children were in first grade. So I was one year above them, you know, so they were right across the hall from me. And my father had come into town because the night before, because I was not doing well. I was not doing well at all. And he had to basically, because, you know, I was, I needed an income. I needed to be able to work and raise my family, you know? So he was there to pretty much help get me dress, like make sure I got dressed, that I got to work, that I got something to eat. I mean, I was that weak. I was that um, struggling, you know, and I have a way of, it makes me think of Robin Williams. You just turn that charm. And, you know, I'm always, everyone always thought I was the happiest, most happiest teacher. And I was a golden apple award winner. So um, I have a way of turning it on when I need to, but you could see it in me. You could see it physically in me. So I go to school and I'm not doing well. And I tell my dad, I'm like, dad, I'm not doing well. And he said, just go down to the nurse, tell the nurse, you know, and, um, and at that point I said, this is enough. Like, this is enough, you know, there's enough stress on my father. He was in his late seventies. Um, I, take my kids to music. I dropped them off at music and I wrote my suicide note teaching. I'm sitting at my teacher's desk and I had decided that was it. So I picked them up. You have about five minutes to bring them back, get their lunch. Um, uh, Line them up, (laughs) put them in order. And uh, I, I brought them through the lunch line and I was, walking down the hall after I went them through and I saw my best friend at the time. uh, And she said, Hey, Kendra, where are you going? I said, Oh, I said, I'm just going to go eat in my car. See you later. And um, so I, you know, said bye to her and jumped in my Tahoe. The neurologist said, I'm not really going to remember a lot of it. I think I maybe took, I don't know how many out of van. I'm not sure. Um, and I just started driving and I just kept driving. And so I found the, the the nearest bridge that didn't have a fence. I just pulled up on the ramp, pulled my Tahoe on the side, and I just crossed the crossed the bridge. And I, I could see a guy coming up the other side of the exit. And I think he knew um, what I was going to do, but I didn't want to upset I didn't even want to acknowledge him because I didn't want to make anyone feel bad or not so I just kind of went the tunnel vision and I knew when I crossed the bridge that I only wanted to jump on the shoulder because I didn't want to harm anyone else or this was me rash like at the time rationally thinking quote unquote like I just want to jump on the shoulder so I would just end my life not not harm anyone else um so I I, the neurologist said I, cause I had two traumatic brain injuries after I did this, I, <clears throat> uh, ran and then I, I got to the shoulder and I climbed up the, you know, the, the, the railing and that's, I don't remember anything else. I don't remember. Um, next thing I know, apparently a helicopter came. It's obvious that it's a powerful story. And um, difficult to tell, even, and I know that you've you've told it before, and you oh, told it a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> whenever I have an injury, someone says, someone says, oh well, how, you know how that happened. I've told that so many times that nurses, doctors, well, I, I have told it several times, but when I tell it that raw, it does bring me back, you know, to that day. I truly thought I was a burden on everybody. Like I just thought 
I was just ruining everyone's life. And if I was just gone, everyone else could just move on with their life and everything would be okay. And as irrational as it sounds saying it, that's truly what I believe this medicine with my mental illness made me believe. Yeah. Whatever your mind is telling you and making you think that, do not believe it. This is not it's tricking you. This is what I say. It's tricking you. Your mind is playing tricks on you. It's making you think this. Do not believe it. I know this is what you believe from your heart. You truly believe it. And that's, I, I remember a first grade teacher coming to my house and I couldn't even get like off the couch, like to see her. I was just, and she said, Kendra, you're going to be, and I kept looking at her like she had three heads. I was like, you, you gotta be kidding me you really think I'm going to get better. You really think. And I look at myself now and I look at the life that I live now and what I have done and who I am. I want to tell them that I have been there and I know you want to do this. And I know that you think that like, this is the best way and this is the way out. And that it is not, it is not the way out. You're still happy to be alive now. And obviously wanting to help people. And even though this happened to you and you went through those years of suffering and, um, and now you have the physical burdens afterwards from, from the fall, you still, are you still are very positive and, and you're, and you're sending the message out. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's it's, It's temporary. It's temporary. It's temporary. What you're how you're, it's not your forever. It is like just the chapter. It's just a chapter. You've got to keep going. Always get some help. And and there's so much help that you can get. Not only me, therapists I talk to once a week, there's psychiatrists, there's friends, there's coaches, there's, there's anyone that you feel is your person that you can trust, that you can trust is the key word. You go to them, you talk to them and you tell them, and it's okay to have that thought. It's okay to share it. And we want you to share it because we want you to be here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. How do people find you? People find me um, through my Facebook messenger. What should they look for? Is it your name, Kendra Latham? Yeah, it's just Kendra. And then my last name is Latham, but it's spelled L-E-T-H-A-M. I have an email. It's Kendra M as in Marnie, my daughter's name. L is in Latham, my um, my name now. And D as in Durr, that was my married name, D-U-R-R at gmail.com. Kendra, thank you very much for sharing all that. It's, um, I feel it's brave. Um, I don't know if you do. I don't, but I don't feel brave at all. I just feel real. Yeah. I just feel like I'm just real and I'm just honest and I'm open and I just want to have a purpose for what all my family and friends and I went through. And I just know how it feels to feel that darkness and that alone that a lot of people probably maybe have never been to that I've been to and I know what it's like and I know what it feels like and I know I'm a survivor so I'm I'm lucky that I'm on the other side of this that I can talk to you and that I can be here for you yes excellent all right so that was pretty powerful I am uh, overcome with emotion um <laughs> I'm stuffed up because I've been sick, but also it was pretty powerful and uh, I feel your passion. I need to do a breakaway just real quick and give a shout out to Will, Tom, and Nate. They're three young guys who own ParlorCityFurniture.com. 
Um, they're just killing it over there. And they're now a sponsor of the podcast, which is awesome. They're helping me outfit a new video studio. And I have a, a cool standing desk. It's motorized, goes from seated to standing. There's pre-recorded or pre-programmed positions also. Um, and we're going to be doing some upgrades in the podcast studio too. So they're super motivated, super cool. Uh, they want to help you. They're very excited about their business. They ship globally. You can find out more at parlorcityfurniture.com. Back to the show. Uh, but now we're going to lighten things up a little bit, okay? Um, okay, okay. So, yeah, get ready. It's time for the question. Stand by. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. All right, so here we go. It's time for the questions. And now, Kendra, you're, you can let your anxiety level go up a little bit more because you don't know what the questions are at all. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to say. <laughs> it'll be okay. It'll be fun. Um, and it'll help lighten things up a little bit. All right, question number one. Okay, awesome. Who do people tell you that you look like? <laughs> Sandra Bullock. Nice. <laughs> now that my hair is darker, I went blonde for a while. Now I'm going darker and darker again. So. Really? I always ask uh, my guests when they get this question, I ask them if they've ever signed an autograph as with that person. No, no, um, no. But people just tend to think I'm, I look like, I think I have that face. Like people think I'm like somebody else. So it's like someone has come up to me and like hug me at the mall. But yeah, Sandra Bullock, I've gotten my, one of my best friends has always said that. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> Perfect. And that brings me to question number two, which is, tell me a secret about where you grew up in Ogdensburg that um, maybe is something wonderful about the area that nobody else knows, but you want the whole world to know. Oh, boy. Nobody else knows, but the whole. But you'd like the whole world to know. Oh, um, well, but a lot of people do know about this, but I, I, this is as my dog's barking, the river, the St. Lawrence river is the most magical place there ha there I've ever been to. And I've been lucky enough to travel a lot. I did a study abroad program. My brother played hockey in college and I got to go to Europe and I've just been lucky to travel a lot. Probably maybe not a lot compared to some people, but to me, I feel like I've traveled a lot. And every, I lived in Colorado Springs for a while. I always come back to the river. My mom always said one time I was traveling somewhere and I took a picture and um, she said, she'll be back. I know she'll come back to the river. And I do, I always come back to the river. And that's why I named my German shepherd pup River, River Rapino, because I love Megan Rapino for soccer. So um, yeah, that's, that definitely that's the most magical place um i grew up on my boat you know my friends would go on my my boat and my dad's boat but basically my boat and uh being the wave runner it's just you just jump in that water there's ships that pass it's just there's the canadian bridge my friends used to work on and i go under on the wave runner <laughs> they, uh, they kind of flip me off but <laughs> So, um, cause they were working and I wasn't at the time. So, um, yeah, I would say that place, <laughs> that would be it. All right. If you could have a conversation with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? What would you talk about and why would you want to talk to them about it? Well, I think that's an easy one. If you listen to my story, it would be my Nana. I just, I miss her so much and she was such my person and, um, I can still feel her with me, you know, I'd want to, in the, in the past, I'd probably want to say to her, I'm sorry I wasn't there, but I know I was there, you know, like I wasn't physically there, but I know I was 
with her when she passed and she sees us and she's with Mar you know, I named um, Marnie. She was Mary Margaret Helen Marnie Martin. And I named Marnie um, after her. And when she was dying in the hospital, I told her that. And my mom said that that was like the first time she like came up off her bed. Like she was there for like 11 days, like I think waiting for me to get there. Um, and I couldn't, they just couldn't believe like she was still surviving, but she did know that I named Marnie after her. And I see a lot of Marnie and her, and I see even Johnny, the eyebrows, I can see my Nana and her, his eyebrows. What I want to say to her is that I, I love her so much and I thank her because I feel like she just helped make me be the person I am. And I just hope I can be, the, I'm her for my kids. Like, I just thank you is what I want to say to her. All right. <laughs> You're killing me today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can blame it on COVID. I can blame it on COVID. I swear I laugh a lot now. Like I really do. Like Oh, I know. It, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I don't mean to be so serious. Oh, I've become so mushy in my old age, so to speak. Uh, my oh. dad, I love that about my dad. My dad used to, my dad at one point, it's a funny story about my dad. We're sitting there and I think I was in high school and college. Whenever Free Willie was out and he's on the, we're, we're really close. So he was on the, the couch and I'm like behind him. And it's the end of Free Willie and as Free Willie, the whale's jumping out like when we free and I hear, <laughs> <laughs> I turn around and he's just bawling. He's just crying <laughs> like the whale is free. And so <laughs> that's my dad. <laughs> that's sweet. That's myself. sweet. <laughs> All right, let's see, where are we? <laughs> All right, as you know, I offer Going Boldly Success Coaching. Can I ask you a coaching question? Sure. All right, what's the biggest obstacle preventing you from moving forward and getting started doing you know what, what you want to do? Because we already talked about it. Um, how to do it, how to get out there, how to get, um, you know, I, I told you I started a book. I thought about doing a YouTube and putting it out there. I thought about reaching out to Lady Gaga. I thought of, you know, cause she suffers with mental health. I, I just, um, I thought about my story becoming a movie. Like I picture myself speaking, um, at schools, at, at churches, at community centers. Like I can just, I needed me when I didn't have me. And I want to be that person that you can come and talk to and share and be vulnerable with and just help. Yeah. You have a lot of ideas swirling around. Yeah. I just don't know. I'd love to do something. I just don't, I, I guess I just don't know how to get out there. I guess I'm doing it right now with you. I'm so grateful. I met you. You are, um, you are you know? absolutely. Uh, Here's the part B in addition, okay. in addition to the podcast that you, that you were just about to complete in seconds. What's one thing you could do today that you can commit to that will move you in a direction that you need to go? Well, besides not stopping with this, like I've started my book um, and then I stop it. You know, I started it several years and then I stop it. I've done a YouTube video about my story, you know, the suicide ripple from Kevin Hines. Um, he's the one that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. That went viral. Putting myself out there and just um, all right. So if you're gonna, it. yeah. So if you're gonna put yourself out there, what's what's one thing you could do today before the end of the day, before you go to bed tonight, that you could commit to um, putting yourself out there? So you've already you've already labeled it as you're putting yourself out there because you're gonna continue your momentum. Okay. 
I guess I would, which I kind of already have as an outline of what I would want to say and maybe a YouTube video and just maybe like record myself and then um, send it out. You have a powerful story and you will definitely be able to do a lot with it and, and you possibly will be a household name. Who knows? All right. So uh, there's the one specific thing that you want to do that you can commit to is to finish the script is what I heard you say. Is that right? Finish the outline of what I would want to say, okay. what would be my um, goal in that YouTube video. So what? So if you thought of it as like chapter outlines or talking points, would that be, would that yeah, suffice? Yeah, 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 right, exactly, outline, yeah. All right, that's, yeah. All right great. Yep. You need a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> And then yes, flesh yeah. it out a little bit and uh, you're ready to go because you know all the information. It's not like you need to write yeah. everything down. This can right? be my introduction. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. Yeah. All right. Super. Now you need somebody to hold you accountable. Who's that person going to be? Oh, jeez. Who are you going um, to talk? Do you have time? Do you have time to do that today? And you're going to commit to it? I'm doing, I usually don't do this yeah, with my, I, I don't do um, this with my guests at all. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to, I'm going to have Trent. I'm going to have Trent because okay. you met Trent. Yep. I'm going to have Trent um, look at the outline and tell me what he thinks. All right. And um, so he'll hold me accountable because he's going to ask about this because he was excited that I was, um, you know, going to. Oh, that's good. He's so supportive. Good. So that oh, yeah, means awesome. that means either before you go to bed tonight, I don't know what your relationship is, if you'll see him tonight as you're going to bed or if it'll be tomorrow. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, um, I'll see him tonight. Yeah, he's my okay. boyfriend. Yeah, I'll gotcha. see him. <laughs> All right. So, so before you go to sleep tonight, Trent's gonna uh, hold you accountable, and and you're gonna have yeah, to tell yeah. him now because I won't see well, I won't see Trent today to to give him a heads up. <laughs> uh, I, yes, I will tell him. I promise. But I, he's, I promise on Nana. I'll tell him. <laughs> but, he, uh, but he's okay with you with with volunteering him because he's supportive. I know I know that he's he's cool with it. Oh so. yeah, he's a great yeah he's he's a great person. Oh my gosh! All right. Well, listen, Sandra Bullock. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I looked like her. Um, whatever 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 you decide to do, whether it's going to be videos or write a book or be a keynote speaker or get the Ted talk off the ground or all of the above. Oh, plus Ted more. Talk. Yes. Ted talk, Ted talk. Yep. Yes. I would love to be a Ted talker. Yes. yes that would be, that, that, I, that would be a dream. That right. would be right there. That would be a dream come true. Well, I that think you have, that. um, you have, uh, you have a great story. You have a great personality and <laughs> you have <laughs> um, you. enough smarts to be able to figure it all out. Oh, and thank you. you know, thank you. it'll be great. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, that comes, yeah. uh, that brings us to the end of our show. I want to remind everybody that you can reach Kendra on Facebook. It's Kendra Latham. It's, it's uh, K-E-N-D-R-A-L-E-T-H-A-M. And then also Kendra has the email, uh, which will be in the show notes. And that does it for us. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. 
As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.